popper tea kettles. <laughs> that's I'm so, not fucking around, dude. That sounds like an amazing like Dr. Seuss poetry thing. Copper bottom pots and pans and fully copper tea kettles. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, exactly. it sound so amusing? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers and welcome. Hmm. Love tea. Mm -hmm. To the Dylan Joe Basement Podcast. And today, we want you to first know that we, or I mean I, still think the country's fucked. But we're going to take a little break from that. Yeah. <laughs> it's July 4th. Absolutely. Let's get let's get in the spirit <laughs> of the this. season. We've it's been well established the country's fucked. A lot of crazy shit going on. But this time of year, much like in Christmas time when we come together to celebrate our friends and family, this is the time of year where we celebrate this great country we live in. We're yeah. gonna talk a little bit about uh, America the beautiful and, and the good parts about it. We'll mention, you know, some faults in the meanwhile, some of course things. we will. But uh yeah. Uh, that's a good way to start actually to say, yeah, we with all the bumps and bruises and all the shit involved. We're going to go a little bit uh, on the bright side of America today, I think. The bright side of America, and we're going to do it from the basement. Welcome to the basement from an undisclosed location. Another undisclosed location. <laughs> this one's nice, though. You got you guys got to admit Yeah, this. we did pretty good. It's cool looking. And if you guys haven't picked up on it yet, no matter, we, we do we do have a traveling podcast now. It <laughs> has turned into that. And um, We hate to admit it. Wherever we, we are, though, the sign is. Mm -hmm. And it goes directly over whatever was there before we... Decided to go it's like there. Like I say, wherever you hang your shingle, it's wherever we hang our sign. That's where yeah, home is. That's where it is. Mm -hmm. And anything could happen from here on out. But mm -hmm. right now, we're in a, another undisclosed location. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in the spirit of July Fourth and us drinking good old fashioned uh, the the, the queens. Yep. <clears throat> uh, what are we talking about today? We decided not to talk about Independence Day and what that is, but we did, we, right. we are going to talk about something um, along the same lines mm -hmm. in a almost identical spirit that's also Sorry. known as and called the Boston Tea Party. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Talk a little bit about the events uh, 
preluding it and afterwards it's kind of wrapping up there but yeah we're not going to go into the whole thing about the the continental congress the declaration of independence which is the july 4th day and uh, blah, blah 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 i want to talk about more of the the action the parts and the build up mm -hmm. to to the ultimate busting out which is america and uh, once once they bust it's you know in a refractory period and that's all boring you just want to go to sleep afterwards we're talking about yeah. the build up when you're really still working your way up to the full yeah. climax that is <clears throat> independence. Yeah, that is independence. Mm -hmm. And this is a really good first step, and it precedes... This was a great pit of floor play, if I ever seen it. I think so. I yeah. think so, absolutely. And we're, we're, it's the 1773. We're, we're going back there mm -hmm. to just... Um, In the Wayback Machine. Yep. Uh, und from the undisclosed location that we're at, we're, we're, this is all took place 30 or 40 miles. Um, uh, never eat east... Shredded um, wheat. Yeah. From here. Never eat shredded wheat. Um, yeah. East. Yeah. East of where we are. Yeah. I mean, excuse me. I drove by uh, two of the towns that this part of the story took place in today, and I just thought, like, I kind of soaked up a bit. It was a foggy, a little bit rainy outside, and I said, oh, wasn't that long ago that this very location was taking place, the things that end up shaking world history to the point that now America is what we see it as now, which is this global juggernaut. But at the time, not quite so. At the time, it was a retreat from the crown. Yeah, that's all. That's pretty much what it was, and that was. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was still blanketed by them and there. taxed by them and all sure. sorts of things. It was a big fucking mess. Yeah, and everyone was uh, trying to get freedom in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, and a couple of good guys and a couple of good ideas along the way. Mm -hmm. and that's what we're gonna talk about. So, what, where do you want to start? Because I know you've got the chronological order going. I do, I do. You know, I love to tally it out so we know what order things happen. And I want to just, I want to start at 1763 for literally one minute, just to so it, end, yeah. mm -hmm. because I think that what launches America into this whole period that we see as like um, heading towards the American Revolution, you know, three cornered hats, you know, Yankee Doodle, the whole thing, mm -hmm. is the end of the French Indian War also called the Seven Years' War. You know why they call it the Seven Years' War? Uh, because it lasted nine years. That's right. And every country has a different name <laughs> yeah, for it. I want to make sure I was right before I said anything. <laughs> the American's yep. name is the French and Indian War, but like any weird historical thing, I don't know why they named it that. I guess the British were calling them the people they were fighting, they called the French and the Indians, because it was a war for Britain against France. It had nothing to do with Native Americans, besides the fact that many Native American tribes took sides in the war and fought with either the French or the British. But it was basically a war between the French and the British to fight over who was going to control the majority of North America. And because the British won is how the rest of the story goes. But if the French won, it could have been a whole other animal. Can you imagine that? Yeah, we would have been uh, perhaps speaking... Well, uh, like, you don't... Parlez-vous français? Oui, oui. Oui, oui. Mm -hmm. I mean, these days you hear about all these other fantasy novels about like if the Nazis won the war. Yeah, or whatever. that's always a fun one, right? That's always but a fun one, but you just never, you know, like these days. There's that, a lot of different ones the in between stuff, but in yeah. between there's this other stuff where France or uh, the founders of this country instead of the British, like. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, for we a would good... just have a different uh, culinary uh, situation, and yeah, for a good deal of time, France was a major part of America. Mm -hmm. They they owned the entire middle of the country. You think about uh, places like Baton Rouge and Louisiana, named after King Louis, yeah. or even Detroit, which is now called Detroit, as we say in American Detroit. versions. But there's all this big to me. French <clears throat> belt in the whole middle of the Ohio River Valley, all the way down to Louisiana. That was all French territory. My people and. It really wasn't, and it's still owned by them, but it really wasn't becoming America until the British beat them in the war. And they said, all right, you guys get Canada. And that's why Montreal still speaks French. And that's why 
in uh, Ohio, they speak English, and in Louisiana, they speak some kind of crazy Creole, something else. But that's all the French settlers who were still stuck there after their country said, I guess we lost. See you later. Have fun down there. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, it just, just today I learned from my cousin Garrett on Instagram mm -hmm. that <clears throat> the, the founders of me back in the day was because a Native American... Guy, How do you mean the founders of me? You always get confused when you say invented and stuff like that. I know you're... Oh, the founders invented and being funny. Yeah, yeah so the like, founders of me. What do well, you mean? Well, like, my family's from Missouri. Oh, I see. And, Your ancestry. And they came, They all came from Canada. Oh. And there's a Native American involved. So basically, a Native American banged a French person. All right. And then they French all and Indian Missouri. War, baby. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, I'm deep in this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we've got some, uh, you know... Uh, small game trapper Native Americans who were yeah from the East Coast. Those beaver pelt money. Bang some French people and they all end up in Missouri and because that's where they all the French people were. It's, it's mm -hmm. fucking weird, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still obviously it's a major uh, populated area, but it's kind of like America just sees it as the, it's the coastal land now. It's either on the West Coast or the East Coast and that middle part is like, oh, it's all flyover states. But it's, at a time, the Mississippi and Ohio River was a huge part of America. Yeah. Places like Ohio and Missouri were as big as centers of the economy as places like Pennsylvania or New York, mm -hmm. you know, it's it just a little bit different now. Well, uh, the way it turned out. But well, it's back to the story. Back to the story, yeah. Just to, I want to touch on that at least because after that happened and France has to kind of, you know, how they do in wars, they're not going to totally lose. <laughs> they just go, all right, enough. Yeah. What do we get? What do you get? Mm -hmm. And they decide, okay, you still get part of you still get part of Canada. Uh, that whole middle part, uh, go fuck off. So we're gonna have Americans have the right to go out in those territories now that are used to be French. Go ahead, settlers. Go ahead and spread out that way. And as that begins to happen, and of course the Native Americans who are, have the biggest tragedy in this story, I, we could talk about two hours about how much they got fucked over uh, mm -hmm. just for the sake of the story. We're not going to, but mm -hmm. noted, we do understand that. We get it. Uh, yeah, they started saying, well, we already pushed us back all the way to Ohio. Now you're going to keep coming out here? So they started shooting motherfuckers, kept invading their land. It's understandable. Uh, so the British, after that happened, they decided, all right, we don't want to do it a second war. We were, we were broke as a joke. They're fighting wars in every country in the world at the time. They just beat France, which is the other major world power besides maybe Spain. And they're thinking, all right, we're going to put a rule up. No more Americans going mo out that way, which is why they the Americans thought, well, that's why you won the war. Uh, we can spread out here. Now you're going to not let us move after that? And that, I think, kind of starts the avalanche of new laws that uh, gen genuinely lead to the Boston Tea Party happening because they start putting out Law after law, and they were—they weren't even called Americans. I shouldn't say that. They're colonists, and a lot of yeah. them were referred to as British colonists because they were mostly all British. There's very few people from any other country <clears throat> in America at the time. And all these sexy stories um, are have two sides. They all do. There's the people who don't agree with the British, and the people who are like British supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, loyalists, loyalists, royalists, yes. and yeah. uh, patriots and independence like, fighters. Give them their tax money on things. And like that They've taken of... good care of us so far. Yeah, let's just keep being good to them. Don't bite of... the hand that feeds oh, you, dear cool. boy. They want to take a you know large percentage of everything that comes in this country. That's that's good. They did, they, yeah. they, they, they deserve that. that. They're our daddy. We owe him that much. Yeah, and we're, you know, uh, months of a boat ride away. Fuck <laughs> yeah, that. come get yeah. it yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah crazy. I understand so, the apprehension of that fuck. So that's 1763, the Seven Years' War that lasted nine years ends, mm -hmm. and nearly two years later, upon them already decreeing, cut it out with the expansion thing, they introduced the Stamp Act, which is the fire 
that lights the fuse that ad- ends up exploding into a big dazzling fireworks show on July 4th years later. Also known as no taxation without representation. Yeah, that's a big one. Anyone, I mean, that's what I, I want to try to make more interesting. That's one of those things you remember from history class. Like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, one of the yeah, things on the quiz. Exactly. No taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it kind of has a ring to it, maybe because we heard it so many times. But it, we heard it's it so Asian, many times. Asian, it just yep. sticks in your head like that. Yeah. But, yeah, so I thought, oh, the Stamp Act, what's that about? They're, they're going to tax you on stamps. I guess they used to use snail mail a lot, so that mm-hmm. affected people more. But it was more than that. They actually decreed that you had to use these particular stamps on everything you sold. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like adding a giant sales tax on everything that happened in the colonies when 100 years in a row, that never happened. So it was kind of like if all your Amazon orders cost 25% more and all the money goes to China, you'd be like, the fuck is this? Yeah. I mean, that's the easiest example just because... It's not going to affect you either way, but it's really like their whole entire lives changed and uh, they're not getting anything out of this deal. They're just siphoning off money to Britain when they've already been settled there for, like I said, late 1600s. It's been about 100 years they've been there. And now they start paying up because Britain owes a bunch of money because they kept fighting wars so much. Why is it their problem? They didn't take too kindly to that. No. And it's almost like it's, you know, so you have like trademarks, you know, like that we see today that mm-hmm. all started at the same time, all, or probably before that, mm-hmm. um, where someone's like basically company logos on something so you know who they are. And that's, yeah. that's all cool. But in the Stamp Act, is this stamps on here, which means this company or this country gets money just because this is on here and it's in this country. It's yeah, so yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Royalties, which I guess that's which probably where the word comes from. Well, yeah, royalties and duties. Duties. So in today with um, oh, like duty free store. Yes, exactly. So if you take something from one country to another, um, you pay duties on that. So there's duties and taxes, and there's gotcha, people yeah. whose whole job revolve around just duties. I've done it before. Oh, yeah, that's, duties, that's... Uh, duty calls. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah shout yeah, out, you know, pull one out taking for... a shit. You want, you want to clean it up? Duty calls. Pull out for all the people who have to pull, uh, pull all the shit out of porta potties yeah. for all the festivals you've been to. They have to yep. work too. Yep, exactly. Can't put any stamps brain. on that duty. <laughs> that's for sure not gonna stick someone's gotta do it I appreciate yeah. that for doing that nothing sticks to shit but oh. yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing sticks to shit but shit sticks to the wall though yep. and it hits the fan yep it's all over the wall it's, it's for sure <laughs> so yeah so, so I think that's what people started getting upset about but the first part because not only were these this law come forward and there'd be many more from then they started to realize that this, there's no end to this. Like, Britain could just keep throwing laws on them. And this is the first one they really got upset about on a massive scale. There was verbal pushback. There was violent pushback. There was all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy mob scenes. About this act, that was only the first of many. I think a lot of... Uh, I'm going to call Americans from here on out, but they really are colonists. A lot of colonists were like... They, they saw the writing on the wall. Like, if we let this slide, it's only going to be more and more from here. Because... Britain, it's in big debt from all these wars, and they're gonna keep fighting wars, so they're gonna keep footing the bill to us. I mean, we don't put their foot down now; it's gonna get shittier and shittier. And then it did, because they kept fucking landing on them pretty thick. It did, and then the colonists, and specifically the Patriots, were the ones who one of their primary strategies was to um, be loud. If you don't like something. Make us think about it. Yeah, I that's mean, where this that's, law leads that's, to. that's a tried and true strategy. Yeah, it's really. a good one. Yeah, again, protesting is can go a couple different ways, but also just being like a really annoying person, someone's ear, and being loud and annoyed and like yeah. make a voice. Eventually, it gets heard. At the it, very it, least, you're getting the information out there, whether yeah. people are going to do something with it or not. It mm-hmm. just gets in your ear. You know, it's, no one it's wants to listen to that. 
So no, no, no. if they're like, all right, then we'll, we're going to make a change about this. Cause <laughs> it's like when you go to the hospital, I mean, they, they literally prioritize people based off how much they're screaming. So if you, if you really are in a situation where you like need to get help or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, just start screaming. They'll be there. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's like silently dying. Yeah, you just you you have be, a gunshot wound. You just, just have, yeah, exactly. stoically living yeah, with, it, just and just like, with it. Yeah, they kind of just like yeah. But if someone's like violently yeah. screaming about they like pull the hangnail. Yeah, they're exactly. Screaming. They're gonna they're gonna make sure they do whatever they can to get you to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, it makes so. sense. The squeak wheel gets the grease is not just the idiom. It really does it actually work. works. Humans <laughs> do not like people who are yelling. Shut the fuck up. How do I make you quiet? So yeah. So, yeah, and I think that Britain felt ooh. very much that way. They felt like someone was in triage screaming about a hangnail, and they were like, shut the fuck up and do what we say. We know what's best for you mm-hmm. at that point. That's followed two years later after the stand back by the Township Acts, uh, which ends up being, it's. I mean, just to break it down, I mean, to simplify rather than break it down, it's more of the same. They're adding a bunch of more taxes on all these different aspects of American life, and that leads to a bunch of smuggling and mm-hmm. just do whatever you can to put it right here to the crown there are all kinds of underground, uh, you know, dealings and shipping mechanisms, and mm-hmm. they do not want to pay these taxes and give Britain anything uh, in the sense of that. And the cool thing is, so this was kind of, from my research, was supported by the Sons of Liberty. Oh yeah, do you, do you want to talk they about start, the Sons of Liberty right now? I think that they come into play right now. They definitely do. Yeah, yeah. this is kind of when they start coming in. Yeah. So the Sons of Liberty were made up of the dudes who signed the, the Declaration of Independence eventually in 1776. Uh, a lot of them were. A lot of yeah. them. Yeah. So you, you yeah. had John Hancock, you had Paul Revere, you had mm-hmm. um, something, something, something. Quincy, I forget his first name. Give his name. Uh, yeah, we have uh, Sam Adams is one of them. Sam Adams, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Yep. But the difference between the Sons of Liberty and the guys who signed the Declaration of Independence well, right. is just it's just the fact that everyone who signed the Declaration of Independence was an aristocratic landowner who had political power. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Sons of Liberty were like, you know, tradesmen yeah. and workers. So, I mean, if, you could be just as much of a member of the Sons of Liberty, whether you are a wealthy landowner or... Or you were a, literally a child who just wanted to fight for the cause. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people went on to become people who signed the declaration. Yeah. But a lot of them just were workers who were like, yeah. I, I don't want to put up with this bullshit. And they said, all right, let's 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 make this whole gear here, this gang, that's going to try to fight back against this British oppression. And we have to do it quietly because they're all on our ass. And mm-hmm. within a couple of years, they'll be literally on their ass when they start sending regiments into to Boston. But I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And actually, to, to kind of like, I guess, add some value to that. Sure. Um, the This was also a time where residents of Massachusetts and Boston were also not very happy because they had to house British troops. Exactly right, yeah. they were Against their will. They, they said were basically required like, to by the British. Right? Exactly, yeah. like, Hey, uh, my name is John Smith and uh, John Foot Penis. John Foot Penis. Uh, Sam Cockney. <laughs> exactly, John Foot Penis. Um, and I'm going to uh, be staying at your house. You have to feed me, house me, bathe me. You know, I don't know if they're bathing him, but you know, yeah. they like, have to provide water, provide for me to bathe. Uh, basic living necessities, including food mm-hmm. for me and this type of stuff. So everyone's already a little pissed off. Yeah, and you can't say anything when I'm Most eyeballing good your daughter. Are pissed off unless over you're eggs. A, unless you're a uh, bootlicker, if you know what I mean. So. <laughs> yeah. um, a lobster back. So there's a lot going. Like you said, there's a, there's a lot of tension rising. There's a lot of stuff kind of 
flaring up. Absolutely. This is a time for things to explode, and people are sick of shit. Absolutely, yeah. man. It really is. And yeah, obviously when we were learning about it in, in uh, history class or whatever, they collapse all this down into basically, it seems like it all happened in a week. But as we've already mentioned, it's been three years um, since the Stamp Act at this point. It's, it takes time to build up, but in this whole time, it's just what you said, it's that simmer that starts to get into a boil. Yeah. And obviously there's public displays of people being upset about it. People are lashing out. People are, like, obviously smuggling is totally illegal. But the people who are in charge of it in the colonies, when they're charging them with the crime, they're super lenient on them because they know that they don't like that Britain's taking their money and they're benefiting from it. So it's like, you know, it's like if you get pulled over and you were speeding to, like, deliver a baby. They're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So they're like, oh, no, we're smuggling because we're going to pay you. They're like, oh, it's fine. Fuck Britain. Yeah. So like, people are getting away with it. So everyone's kind of on the same side at that point, even though there's a lot of people who weren't. But when it comes to the Sons of Liberty, this was more of a dangerous idea that needed to be kept a little bit quieter because yeah. they weren't just talking about, you know, smuggling a couple of ounces of, uh, you know, sugar cane or even just going out in the streets and saying, I don't agree with Britain. They were talking about, let's actually make some dis- demonstrable change to what's going on here. And that means action. And means action. And another fun fact, too, to, to, to go with that is that yeah. um, <clears throat> it's easy to forget that tea was really important. Uh, yeah, we should this not was, go over that. It was, it's like is, how it's coffee is today. Tea. It's like the most popular thing in the entire world at yeah, the time. Exactly. So you have um, basically mind-altering substances like alcohol mm. and yep. tea. Those and were coffee the was, was was not as abundant as not it is even now close because, to as big it takes now. it has to come from a tropical region. Yeah, this it was coming, starting to gain coming. popularity around that time, mm. but it took another hundred or so years to be to really to be global. Like yeah, it, like, to, but tea was fucking everywhere. Yeah, you're talking about China, India, mm-hmm. Britain, France, uh, and none of the colonies. Talking about yeah. most of the major centers of the world love tea and they yeah. want the parts that tea. of Europe that were on the water that were closest to, to shipping ports sure. were making tea. It Same just, with yeah, Portugal, Spain, yep. France, uh, Italy. Yeah. And all millions and millions of pounds of tea are coming across the Atlantic to come here. Big business. Big business, and um, and yeah, like we said, um, that tea was getting smuggled at one point by many people, including by John many. Hancock, who made a ton of money off of oh, smuggling. Tea. Which is really how he made his fortune, was just smuggling, and particularly smuggling tea. Yeah, smuggling tea. And so much so that uh, over three-quarters of the tea that uh, that um, colonists, we're not going to call them Americans yet, mm-hmm. um, were drinking was was smuggled. And it, it's actually, it's a, it's a really, really big number. And there's, yeah. there's one, one thing that, like, of so many pounds, it's like most of it was smuggled. That's crazy. Really, really it's really hard it's to the track. most popular, but still three quarters of being smuggled. Like imagine yeah. if three quarters of all coffee qu- was like underground. Quarters, than, have, yeah, it's nuts. And, and it's crazy. And 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 the thing is, it's that if they were like kind of getting busted, there's the tea was still coming from the same source. So it wasn't yeah. like they're like, oh, this is like, you know, let's talk about weed. For we a have second. Canadian tea. Like, well, we there's have no like, Canadian tea. Street weed versus like, um, you know, hydroponic shit. Yeah, exactly. Like it's you can't track. It's it's coming from the same place. It's just coming from a different in a different way. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that I mean that's when it, when they actually end up doing uh, the the full tea crunch is just in a couple years after that because in between when the original Sons of Liberty are forming, including all the people we mentioned, and our our aspect of today is a big event that happens to totally change public perception or at least exacerbate the problem that's going on there. And that's a little event that happens in Boston, Massachusetts in March 5th, 1770. 
people are getting rowdy. The British regulars are walking into the building, starting to try to quell the mob. It's a snowy winter day in Boston, and people start getting pissed off. They're shouting insults. They're probably saying all kinds of things, calling them lobster backs, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> Maybe worse things than that. Yeah, we'll and they start that. throwing a couple snowballs at the throwing soldiers. Some snowballs. And uh, it don't go too pretty. Obviously, like a lot of things in history, there's versions of it you hear when you're young. There's versions you hear when you're old, when you're a little more informed. And then there's something in between. I'm not sure exactly how it went down, but I know the results. And I think this is in modern-day downtown Crossing, if I know the right story. I think so. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. You guys can sure. comment and let us know if yeah, we're we'll really put it fucking up. this one up. But I think it's downtown Crossing. Is but yeah, this event happened of course we're talking about the Boston, Boston Massacre. Massacre. Right. And so it ends up with uh, five colonists dead on the snowy ground. Getting been quite shot a scene. by an old-school rifle. Musket so ball horrible. to the sternum. No, thank not you. Not a good time. Yeah. Yep. And they're lucky they're that close that they might have missed as those things are not exactly yeah. accurate. But, um, over snowballs, yeah, over snowballs. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I mean, maybe a couple of rocks went in there. We're not I'd sure, say a few rocks, a few at the same time, yeah, though. Yeah. It's like the classic things we talk about with all kinds of protests where you know someone starts it and the other person escalates it to lethal force and that never yeah, looks good for anybody. People, kills them. So, obviously, this event shocks people. It's one of the first times that these protests are going to be violent to the, to the point of someone dying. Usually yeah. someone might get hurt, but never five people killed by British soldiers, too. Mm-hmm. They uh, they have discharged their muskets into the crowd of people. And uh, five people end up dead. I don't know how many people ended up wounded. I'm, I'm guessing not all their shots hit their desired target. And there were all five perfect lined-up killed shots in there. They yeah. probably fired a couple of them into the crowd, and then they got five people all together. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine there's more than I'd five. Imagine that. Yep. You know? uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously... It was a tragic event for everyone involved. Um, more tragic for the people who have died, obviously. But I think even for the British soldiers, they didn't want it to go down like that because now, now they're going to be on the hook. And this place is already a powder keg going off. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not going to look good. And these people need to be held accountable because these colonies are now trying to assert themselves and they're already mad about shit. And they're getting mad to the point that they're going to be throwing snowballs and now those five people are dead. That's fuel for the fire. And people like the Sons of Liberty, even though I'm glad for the work they did, you know what they say, never let a good tragedy go to waste. And mm-hmm. they took this and they fucking ran with it. They had artwork about it, they had propaganda about it. Even the naming of it, the Boston Massacre, was a planned thing to make it be like, we need to rile this, this nation up. People need to know it's not just Massachusetts and Georgia and Carolina. It's we're all one thing, and these are the British, and look what they do to us. They're killing our people just because we disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And we're housing them. And we want the tea. Us. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. we like tea. Exactly, and I think that that was, that was a huge part of that. Um, I think that ultimately America benefited greatly from the Boston Massacre because it was such a uh, rallying point for so many people to actually focus for the first time, if they hadn't already, on what's actually going on in Boston, which was... Even though people were protesting all over the nation, Boston was the hotbed of, of the Sons of Liberty was meeting there and the Green Dragon Tavern, which is now famous for, you know, people. I mean, I think that's why they had Sam Adams beer, because he's more famous for planning things in the, in the basement of that tavern among 10 or 12 people that you'd recognize by name now. And they were just having a, a couple of pints talking about overthrowing the most powerful global power in world history to that point. Now it's been eclipsed by America, irony notwithstanding but that's how it went down that's how it all started out there and that's how it starts these these british soldiers i think it was five of them all together so i mean five people dead five british soldiers go up they're gonna be brought on trial and they're gonna do trial in boston for the murder of five innocent civilians 
That's going to be a tough trial to win in the colonies. Yeah. The British crown not going to be part of this one. One thing I think of is too is that like, it just sounds like crazy because I'm kind of going a little off track, but like, not gonna. you know, when like 40,000 years ago, like Neanderthals had the same brains we did. Yeah. Nothing's really changed at all. Well, well, not Neanderthals, but yeah, like uh, old uh, Homo, homo sapiens, sapiens. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, Homo sapiens. Yeah, um, I hear your point. Right. Their their thought process they had, they just had less information, but overall it was like us with less information. Add you know yeah, it's like the 20s. same computer except you're same not using computer, all the same computer different time. You have as much input. Yeah. Um, back then it was almost there was almost just as much information besides you know the fact we have technology like, like sophisticated technology that gives us a ton of information that we use to make this podcast. Right. Um, so back then it was it was you know they didn't they they viewed this the same way that we view sitting here in this undisclosed location. And this stuff was happening. Yeah. And it's just so crazy that this was a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like you never know when you're a part of history and you're in it. You only know retroactively. You know, you, sometimes you can kind of feel burn, but... Yep. I don't know. Well, we want to take a, a quick break so we can refill our tea. So, yeah, we're out of tea. <laughs> now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that and me. All right, so in my research of trying to figure out all the facts and fables of this exact story, mm -hmm. I stumbled upon a series. I thought it was just one documentary, but it's a series called um, Lies and Liberty or something to that degree. Mm -hmm. I'll show you the real title. Okay. This one was about Sam Adams, 45 minutes long. I get about 30 seconds in before I look at the bottom left corner. Decides. And what did it say? It said Fox oh, News. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. We're unbiased on this Well, podcast. yeah, they're fair and balanced. Yeah, we're, we're, as bal are we're a way. balanced podcast. So, Something so from Fox News has, has, has come up. So I mean, According to Joe. Yeah, yeah I, I immediately thought, um, finally, no more bullshit. You know, let's be a real documentary. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, I, but I kind of thought <laughs> it was over, most overwrought, dr dramatized bullshit shit ever. And not that I, you know, you know, one way or the other, what do you think about Fox News? Yeah, 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 sure. But it's completely like good versus evil, good guy, bad guy, rebellion, empire. I mean, it's easy to reign supreme when you're totally hindsight looking down. So I just had to show you some clips from this shit, because not only is the acting fantastic, but the, the thought process and each little part of it, it totally looks like it was made in 2016, and it's just the most bullshit argument of what this is. So if this is all Sometimes, you ever see of this, which is a lot of people, it's all they're ever going to know about the Boston Tea Party, and this is what they see, boy, listen to the podcast instead. You'll learn a little bit more about it. Sometimes I, see, I click those because it's like, it's like, girl actually loses his bikini on South Beach. <laughs> Fox News is reporting, and you're like, really? And they're like, oh, it's oh, okay, crazy. Yeah, well, Fox News good. does that too. They They hit the... They hit the aliens. They hit the girls with bikinis that are too small. Yeah, you have views, like, man. They, they just views. get they get they get the the folks they're looking for. I mean, and they like, know their audience for sure because yeah. this this whole documentary, which is my least favorite kind of documentary, not because of their political ideas, but because half the thing is just a a, a play where they just show people in a room and they're just reciting lines. Like if it's a documentary, like show me people talking about it. They just have a guy being like, "How <laughs> dare you, sir?" And no, and that's how it went down. It's like. That's not how it went down. Give me the fucking truth. Anyways, it's, yeah. it's already the way. So I thought I'd show Dylan a couple of clips from this documentary because I just thought it was so just, mwah. Yeah, we'll we, cut them in the podcast, mm -hmm. and that's what you're looking at right now. So there, there's the setup. There Here you we go. go. As tensions escalate in Boston, Paul Revere leads something of a guerrilla army. 
a band of rebels intent on threatening the king's tax collectors out of existence. Revere recognized that you need to involve everyone in this, and that includes people from the streets, tough guys, who wouldn't mind getting their hands dirty if it came to that. You'll hang for this! Perhaps, but you won't be around to see it. You gentlemen have a choice. Swear on the Holy Bible that you resign your positions as the king's customs agents, or you can stick your heads in your nooses. I swear! And what's of you? While the tactics are severe, the colonists feel they're out of options. Tell your brother-in-law Hutchinson we won't sit idle while the king's agents bleed us dry. This form of resistance is not exclusive to Massachusetts. Anger over the Stamp Act spreads quickly through all the colonies. If I'm not, oh, yes, indeed. So if I'm not mistaken, we left off just around the time that the Boston massacre had occurred, and there was going to be a trial put forth in Boston to charge these five British soldiers with murder. And as you say in all kinds of times about soldiers, it's easy to forget these are like 21-year-old kids who or are less. who are thousands of miles away from where they grew up, and they're surrounded by all these angry colonists who go, I fucking hate you. And now, they're being put on trial for murder. This looks pretty bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like being locked up abroad in uh, fucking Singapore for having 20 kilos of coke up your ass it's a bad place to be in and i don't know if it's gonna be necessarily a fair trial or worse you go to mars on a mission with spacex then you kill a few aliens then all of a sudden they take you you're and, surrounded and put you through it yeah you're it's just it's not you, you, it's not good news got no and, and, and jail back then um is uh the dungeon is not good it's it's not the same jail not that jail is ever good but it's like wet it's worse than that yeah it's like wet dark wood your only rights in jail at that time are they don't want you to die before you stand trial. That's mm -hmm. basically it. Anything besides yeah. that, you could we'll go keep fuck. you alive. Yeah, we'll keep you alive if, like uh, a, until that time. Like sand floored, like it's crazy. Oh time. yeah, complete. So, so we got these five guy, five kids essentially. Right, and uh, they got to go to trial, and they had little to no chance in doing it. And uh, obviously, the colonists were like, "Fuck yeah, we're gonna get the best lawyer. We're gonna put these guys in the stocks and take Screw their fucking heads guys, off." Yep. But um, a prominent Bostonian lawyer who's actually a cousin of one of the Sons of Liberty and a big-time patriot 
and looking towards the colonies, independence in the future, decides if we're going to go forward and become our own nation, apart from Britain, we can't start off with frontier justice mob mentality. This is our first prudence test as a colony to see how we deal when people spit in the face of our people. Do we spit back in their face or do we sit it down, hash it out the right way and become respectable? And I think that this act alone says volumes about what it means to be the United States of America, at least at the time then. And that is the lawyer from Boston, John Adams, says, I'm going to defend these five men in a court of law. I'm going to get them off of this. That's how the system works. Because that's how the system works. Exactly yeah. right. And and a lot of people, the Sons of Liberty included, were like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're a traitor. You're Sam Adams' cousin. You're a huge lawyer in Boston. You should be. We should be using you to put these guys, you know, to death. Yeah. They're murderers. They killed people. And he, and he goes, I know, but that's the thing. That's why it's so powerful. They mm-hmm. deserve the, their fair day in court as much as any of us do. And yep. the judiciary system at the time of the colonies, different than we have now, but similar mentality. Innocent until proven guilty. He decides to step up and defend these soldiers. And I think that just speaks volumes about uh, how America is going to grow forward. And I think it means a lot at the time. Obviously, people would be easy enough to put these guys to death. And it would might not change that much, but it, it's such a wrong foot to get on is to be like, they fucked us up and we killed them all. Fuck you. But it's like, no, no, no. We want to be, you know, respectable and fair. And he ends up getting three of the guys acquitted out of the five. And two guys, they go down for manslaughter charges. Zero murder convictions, three acquitted, two manslaughter charges. And that's John Adams, who goes on, spoiler alert, to be the second president of the United States of America. But at the time... Just a famous lawyer from Boston. I think that was a really cool move. Um, and, yeah. it, and it's a good thing in American history that that happened, I think. It is. Yeah. Because it, it could have gone so sour. Yeah. And if that if that didn't happen, the judiciary system in our country would be different. I think because, so. Because it's yeah. so hard to see the O.J. Simpsons and the mm-hmm. uh, other crazy... Casey Anthony. Ca- oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> that was a big part of our childhood. Holy shit. Um, all these other shit where it's like, holy fucking... Throw up the picture. Yeah, right. <laughs> These people are guilty as it gets, mm-hmm. but if but so but they they if you have a good defense attorney, it just promotes a better um, prosecutor. Yeah, um, and that's how it that's how it has to work. So it has you, to. So to be it, you have to have both sides. You can't just say this person is clearly guilty and screw them to screw them to hell. Yeah, it has to be balanced. That's the whole it has point. To. The, the weights and balance. And it, and the justice will prevail. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything you're you're proving in science. The more demanding evidence that you take from somebody mm-hmm. the stronger your case gets never when someone questions what you think you should never say like shut the fuck up I don't don't worry about it yeah it's a good thing because either you're right and you're yeah. strengthening your bond with how right you are much like proving someone guilty the more evidence mm-hmm. you have to provide or the opposite you were wrong and now you know and now you can yeah. grow better from it I, I just think if nothing beats it you want to go up against the best opponent you can to see that the truest outcome comes if you go to the Super Bowl you don't want half the team with broken legs hey we, we won uh, they're fucking injured you, it's not really winning and if someone you know represents themselves in court and they're guilty automatically maybe they did it and you're, you're glad they went to jail but maybe they didn't you need to try it against the fullest extent of it and I think that that's a really good point where that's kind of how America goes forward with this justice system. It started out on early days and shit like this is one of the uh, biggest supporters of America saying, I'm going to su- I'm gonna defend these guys. I'm going to see if I can't get them off. And he did a pretty fucking good job. Yeah. Went from five easy guilties murder charges to 
you know, not one two, murder charge, and right. two manslaughter charges. You know. Yeah, and not then bad. he was exactly. a, he was a damn good lawyer though. Obviously, that that helped. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that yeah. jury must have been hard to convince. <laughs> <laughs> They're in Boston. Exactly. <laughs> the Boston massacre. It's like I can't imagine getting those guys off. Nope. Knowing battle could be imminent, Paul Revere and the Sons of Liberty keep a close eye on the new arrivals. I was one of upwards of 30, chiefly mechanics, who formed ourselves into a committee for the purpose of watching the movements of the British soldiers and gaining every intelligence on the movements of the Tories. Looking for a girl, I ran into a guy, his name is MCA, I said howdy, he said hi. Alright, so Joe can't imagine what it's like to get those guys off. John Adams could get off more guys in a week than I could in a year. That's just good lawyering. Easy. And that's how you know you have a good lawyer. They'll get you off quicker. And more abundantly. <laughs> just ask Morgan and Morgan. Just ask Morgan and Morgan. And next time, if you figure out who they are, just drive to an airport. Look at a billboard. <laughs> Morgan and Morgan is the guy that you give the finger to because he's the most punchable face I've ever seen, and maybe Joe too has ever seen in his life. Yeah, it's really rough. It's, to look at it's really rough, but that's the that's the beauty of our of our of our uh, of our system. Justice system. Yeah. You need defense attorneys and prosecutors. You do. They gotta both be hustling their shit off. Yeah. And that's how the system works. So I think for sure at the time the people who were seeing John Adams as a traitor, I don't blame them. It feels like you're going against the whole cause here, and it. no one would have guessed, or no one would have even known the United States would be a thing or have presidents. But no one in that courtroom would have been like that guy defending those five British soldiers is going to be the supreme president <laughs> of this country one day. No one had yeah. any idea. He went on afterwards to be the president of the United States. Yeah, or that he's on the guy's side who is wrong. He just knows that he's defending something yeah. greater than these four, or sorry, than these five. That's people. exactly right. He doesn't. He's, he doing. he's doesn't, like, I don't. He's not for them. I but he's personally like, don't think these are yes. people in their right, but I have they to do need, this exactly right. to make the system work. Exactly right. And that's super, super important to the future of this country. And that takes a lot of foresight and idealism that's hard to bargain with, even back mm -hmm. then. I mean, now every month you're like, everything's changing so fast. But even then, it's like, he had the foresight to be like, this is a pivotal moment in this colony's history. and I'm gonna, Massively, I'm if not one of the most important moments of all time. True. Gotta do what you gotta do. And so, uh, so that led to... Um, the events that took place afterwards, which is the, the big thing that got us on this whole discussion, which is the Tea Act, which is, <laughs> so they, so the Britain starts to say, oh, okay, I gotta reel some of these things back, the colonists are going ape shit. It's, it's a bad problem. We're getting rid of the Stamp Act, we're gonna put in the Tea Act, which I thought was that they're gonna tax tea so that tea is more tea. expensive than it would be beforehand. But it's even more politically motivated than that. Tea, when after they passed the Tea Act, costed less money for the colonists than it did before because of the way that they were working out the monetary gains. But the thing is, the taxation was still going to Britain, so they still said, right there, Fred, we're, not, we're still smuggling it. So they could have spent less money to buy it from Britain and paid them the taxes on it. Instead, they go, fuck it, we're smuggling it, it's going to cost more, we don't care. We're not going to do it. Yeah. I never knew that. I thought it was like, oh, it's yeah. another version of them being paid too much. Though at that point, they were so fed up with Britain, they were like, I don't even care if it costs less. If you're getting the money from us, 
You're making all the decisions in Parliament, and we're just here at one of your colonies. Fuck right off. Yeah. We'll pay more to do the right thing. Exactly that's right. That's it. In today's day... And that's they, how you know it's a real idealism. If you're, you're paying more to do the right thing, then it'd yeah. be the easy way out. Yeah, exactly. And today, the closest thing is, is weed. But all of, all of our, our, our real genuine Sonar friends still buy from their dealers. Yeah. For less, but don't give to the government. So this right. is like nothing that has ever I've ever seen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is a different idea. Whole lot. And yeah. much like weed, it's so pervasive in culture. Tea at the yeah. time was like a big it's fucking deal. It's almost the same thing at this point. Yeah, you yeah. need more money. Tea, just get some caffeine in there. It's totally wild. So yeah, that leads us to our, our pinnacle moment in the story here, which is when the Sons of Liberty, led by the likes of which, like Sam Adams, the cousin of that lawyer who got those guys off, mm-hmm. and uh, people like John Hancock, who was a big tea smuggler himself, as well as um, uh, our boy Paul Revere, who's a silversmith from Boston, who would not have been any big deal in America as a, as a you know a big aristocrat or anything like that. He, he made a good living for himself and his wife, but he was a member of these Sons of Liberty who didn't want to put up with this bullshit. And that leads us to um, December... In 1773, where they decide mm-hmm. they're going to fucking do December something about 16th, it. 1773, a huge tea uh, shipments coming in. A majority of the city of Boston decide to gather together. Continue on. They decide to gather together and decide that they can do something about this. And a group of people. Oh, I thought when you said the majority of the city of Boston, I thought you were talking about something else. That's why no, not, not the no, this is, this is the this is the moment. They all gathered together and decided that they're going to do something about this, and they, and that their faces can't be seen. Oh, this is not, this not is the majority that. of the city of Boston who does this thing we're talking about here. No, there's a lot of them. Yes. It, yes. It's, but it's most a, of them are members of the Sons of Liberty. Yes. But but also at the... I forget which house it was, do you know? Which house did it come up? When, um, they, when they dress up for this thing? Yeah. Because obviously they planned it all out in the Green Dragon Tavern, but it, it's mm-hmm. not—it's not that many people committing the act. Ultimately. Well, the funny is a funny number. It's between. This is one of my favorite parts about this is that the number itself mm. is really, really strange because it's between fifty and hundred and fifty people. Mm-hmm. That's the actual number that's that they say that's, in every that's a, source. That's a big swath. Yeah, that's a kind of a big difference. I can see a hundred people being involved in the entire planning and executing the, mm-hmm. of, of the whole thing. But, but the people who at, who acted actually it, were doing it, was it a large I think it's crowd. Less than that. Yeah. The people who did it were between fifty and one. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of people. It was watching. a large crowd. Like a lot of people yeah. would be like, "Let's go, let's go." Yeah. What 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 else I get to into? What are we talking about? The Boston Tea Party, baby. It's the whole book. I'm with the Tea Party. They saltwater Tea Party. The saltwater Tea Party in the Boston Harbor. These people, these patriots as we know them now are going to say, fuck you, Britain. We're going to take this huge shipment of tea and show you where you should put it, where the sun don't shine. And the sun don't shine 10,000 leagues under the sea. And what they do is they take soot and put war paint on their face. They put feathers in their hair. Yep. They're trying to look like Mohawk Indians. And at the time, I was like, are they trying to pin this on the Native Americans? But it's not that as much as it is... They want to obscure their identities so they're not called out the next day at work, and they want to kind of show that the the spirit of the this is the, the spirit of the land rebelling against the invaders, much like they were to the Native Americans. It's kind of what I found from that. Yeah, right. That's my take on it, at least. Yeah. 
Okay. Because it could have gone way yeah. sour. It, it could have been, it could have been like, like, we're like, pinning it on the Native Americans, but no one's seen the guy in the full regalia of a Boston gentleman with a couple of black splotches and some feathers in his hair. was like, that's probably a Wampanoag Indian. No one fucking thought that at the time. Yeah, no. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. But there were free, a few cases of, of um, or one specific, um, I forget, it was Mary something who... Um, yeah. She uh, got a knock on her door, and it was uh, a bunch of Native Americans, and she freaked out. Mm. And it turns out they're like, no, honey, honey, it's me. Yeah, they're, they're not used the to that kind of shit. They're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just her husband with some black soot on his face and some feathers, and yeah, he's like, oh, it's a solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's the, the, the trial of the times. But yeah. they, um, anyways, fucking amazing event. It, it's They are dumping so all this tea into the harbor. No one is stopping them because they're going under the cover well, so, of the night. So they had three ships. So before mm-hmm. we go there. Please, um, let's get in there. There was actually four ships. Um, and what is it? I thought it was only three of them. Well, there were four, and one of them actually crashed right off the coast of the Cape Cod oh. on its way coming back from Europe. Next to the wreck of the widow. Perhaps pretty close, uh, a similar type of thing, um, and it you know whatever <laughs> ships crashed back then way more than they do now, yeah. and it uh, it kind of like ran aground because close to Cape Cod full of the same amount of you know tea boxes yeah. of tea um, so and much then tea. three of them made it in and then they were um, there was just so much regulation they were kind of in like a hold like a, not a holding pattern but they were being the tea was being held there on these ships yeah. It's kind of like a going through customs kind of deal. Customs right? type of thing. Yeah. Type of thing. yeah. Um, and obviously the Tea Act recently passed. That, that's mm-hmm. one of the cargo items that are going to be like, eh. It's kind of like mm-hmm. shipping marijuana. Now they're like, this is pretty recent. We're going to have to check all this yeah, shit Yeah, we got to really check this stuff. Yeah. And, Count um, all the yep. tea. And, and one of the ships had a uh, was also in like further quarantine because of smallpox. No shit. Yes. I did not know this part of the story. Yeah. I, you can sprinkle disease on every single one of these stories. It's always a slight always part of history disease. you forget, but there so was, there was like more disease so much, always. Yeah, so in the history books, it's just it's so simple when you're in school. It's like, oh, there's there was a bunch of guys. They went out and they just dumped all his tea in, into the Boston Harbor. Bing, um, bang, boom, it's over. But the reality of it is that one of them crashed, then one of them is in quarantine, then the two of them are there. They're in holding because it's almost like they're being inspected. They, they're generally being inspected by customs agents yeah. who are on those boards, and those customs agents were hired at like multiple of them, say let's say ten per ship, mm-hmm. um, to guard this tea. Yeah, they're there to guard That's a the lot tea of dough. because they know this is a valuable item and there's there's there it's a high risk item um, and people need to just be on there and they're being paid extra by the uh, East India tr- you know trade company where the stuff's coming from mm-hmm. who had their own army. Yeah. Um, and this is this is just not something you want to fuck with because it's it's super at that time which is less than now but highly regulated. So you have three yeah. ships in Boston Harbor um, that are um, uh, full of tea, a high value item. Gotta watch it. Yeah, gonna, and traded by the it. East India Company. If we want to do a quick aside to that, uh-huh. like you said before, yeah, it's the this is we the, before it's the biggest. I mean, even up until now, it might still be the case. It was the largest corporation in the history of the world, and they were called the East India Company because they really did trade from all around the world. I think they were originally uh, a Dutch company, if I'm not mistaken, but they grew to be so massive that, like you said, they had their own army because they were trying to protect their interests of their trade around the entire globe. I mean, it's like uh, if Amazon had an entire army of robots. If you're listening to this in five years, it's before that happened. I'm just, I'm, this is before that happened, but it's similar to that. And uh, yeah, they're a huge trade partner with, of course, the largest purveyor of tea in the world, which is the British Empire at the time. Just so that we quick mentally 
that quickly because it's very uh, interesting. Yeah. Or shit like that. It is interesting. They didn't mean to interrupt you too much. That, like, you, yeah. you think, like, like right now we have, like, you know, yeah. we're all kind of, like, overwhelmed by the Amazons, the Walmarts, the whatever yeah, it is. super corporations. Super corporations. This was arguably, the, I mean, if not arguably, I mean, honestly, the, it first, was. Uh, the first colonist or American mm-hmm. um, and global company that it was, was the same it, thing. I think it was the first global company. At any yeah. other time that someone had that far reach and that much wealth and power, they were nations. The East India Company was the first mm-hmm. time that a private company held that much power, that much money, and then that much grip on the short and curlies of the entire world because... If they decided to stop showing up at your ports, it meant bad news. Bad news. It was like Walmart closing down in your state. You're like, fuck, we just lost half our income of state taxes. Not good news. And like you said, they had their own military force to defend themselves because if you're as powerful as a nation, you can't be willing to have every nation showing up and defending your ass. If anything, to take your shit. And yeah. we're right around the time when people start being really good at stealing shit like that. So East Indian Company had their own fair share of pirate problems and things like that in the future. But So they're the ones bringing the tea in, and they're bringing a lot of other shit in, too. Yep. But we're there that day. We're there that and now, day. And now they start rounding themselves. They are got, in the harbor. So we got people watching. We got people essentially, like, very kindly protesting this. I'm mm-hmm. sure there were some hurdy goes and some screaming. I'm sure there were a hundred protests that were super mm-hmm. peaceful that just don't go down in history because they didn't. Well, make this, them this was the biggest event of that night on December 16th, where ah, there was a lot. Far. There was again. This is a. There's a. There was a large portion of the population of Boston that came to that area to watch this happen. Yeah, yeah. People and then knew about 50 it. to 100, 150 people decided to go on board these ships mm-hmm. and do the actual thing. The actual, yeah, the actual yeah. event. Yeah, right. yeah. so they board the ships and they, um, so the only kind of like non, uh, the only violent portion of this is that they threatened the security guards. The people mm-hmm. who board those ships, those 50 to 150 people, decided that they were going to threaten the security guards, which was like 10 per boat. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to leave this boat. <laughs> you know, hindsight being 2020, maybe have more security. You went that far to keep them there. Obviously, they yeah. didn't know this was going to happen. But... but when there's a mob, and then, they, no then, then all of a sudden you're 10 guys with... Yeah. You know, God knows what flintlock, you know, little pistols or whatever they had. And <laughs> Even swords. nowadays, it's it'd like, be hard all right, they're, they're going to leave. And then they went on those boats, and what'd they do? They started dumping that tea over into Boston Harbor. Just all that valuable tea, it's dumping it in there. Crate after crate, breaking them open, and then just making a big stink about it. And from what I understand, Boston Harbor's actual chemical makeup was changed for a long time afterwards wow. there was it, so it was much tea for a while. yeah i mean you put tea in water it changes a cup of tea much like this if you pour if you pour so much tea if over a million shit, dollars in today's today's i think uh, that the whole thing would, would be equal to four million dollars in four losses million dollars, yeah yeah so four million dollars in today's day of so that's probably with all the different boats there all the tea. however many tens of tons they just took four million dollars and just threw it in the harbor and they said Fuck off. Yeah. And then, uh, unlike and other di- other things you throw in the water, it actually is tea, so it turn it dissolves it in the water. Brown. <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to be, yeah. Well, and it's and it, it just it really shows <laughs> how much they care because in today's day, yeah. the equivalent of that would be all right. So we are relying on alcohol to to just have a good time. This is something we value. I we're, don't know we're what the fuck you're talking about. We're drinking it. tea, so we don't need to know about. All that. right. Yeah, yeah. It's just tea. So. Um, I'm not relying on it. You're <laughs> relying on on that. So, uh, 
Exactly. So we, um, to be able to say, we're going to dump out the shit that makes us tick to and prove they- to you how much this matters to us. Right. And I don't, I'm not sure in today's day anyone would do it. No. Imagine, imagine one half million dollars of weed coming in on airplanes. Is that, that doesn't Imagine someone well. taking, to, to protest Apple, taking crates of iPhones and dumping them in the ocean. They would just steal them. Yeah. And they'd say, that's what you get. But it means so much more to destroy it. Because even we can't get it now. But it's how much we give a shit about it. Yeah. Right in the harbor with it. Yep, that's what it was. Four million dollars. And these guys... So the cool thing is that these guys who were dressed up as Native Americans Mm -hmm. were some influential people. And they they can't prove or disprove that Sam Adams wasn't one of them. Right, yeah. I think that he... It sounds like he was. It sounds like he was, because he was one of the the more... uh, prominent leaders of the organization and again mm-hmm. not exactly um an aristocrat but not exactly a farm worker and he went on to be invited to a lot of you know big time mover and shaker things because of his work with the sons of liberty from there on out but he wasn't exactly you know a wealthy landowner at the time in fact his father was a banker during the time before the french and indian war and when the uh the debts came to be paid and the currency changed over they left his dad high and dry, and Britain was a big part of that. He goes, I got a lot of people that pay me money here. And he go, and they said, why don't you go fuck? And I think that was one of the things that sent Sam Adams on the path of like, oh, right. Like, they don't actually care about us. Like, my father built this whole business in banking and lent out all this money. And then when push comes to shove, you have to get yours on your own. So even though he was part of a wealthy family, the Adamses, he was a vitriolic guy. The Adams like, family? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say these people didn't have nothing to lose. I guess is my point. They they weren't all, you know, super wealthy people just puppeteering, and they weren't a bunch of poor people just trying to get theirs. It was a unification of a bunch of people with the same ideals coming together and doing this crazy ass shit, which is just dumping that tea out. Dumping that tea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Britain. Uh, they didn't take it very well. They no. Didn't. And if it was today's day, it would be like <laughs> uh, felony destruction of something property. It's a felony. I mean, to be able to do something like that, it's not like you just do something like that. And uh, just... Yeah. You might as well burn $4 million of you know the U.S. Treasury. They're going to be pissed off about it. It's going to be huge. And not only is it you know ruining all that cargo and all that money lost, it's a giant middle finger to... Britain, which was already kind of playing fast and loose with repealing the Stamp Act and being like, all right, you know, we, we're allowed to do this, but you stop it. And they go, you know what? There. It was just like they couldn't win with the colonists and the colonists weren't going to let them get their way. And this was the, basically the final straw, which is kind of what they wanted it to be. It sounded mm-hmm. like they wanted it to be the last straw on the Campbell's back. They wanted it to be like, this is our big statement and say, we don't care how many yeah. times you keep trying to placate us. We don't mm-hmm. want to be just your puppets anymore we want a part in parliament we want representation if we're gonna be under your laws we need to be a part of them and britain was like and we need representation right if you're gonna tax us we need our side of things to tell you that like have a we need we need to say this if you're gonna tax us our our representatives yeah need to disclose to discuss this with you guys if we're gonna pay taxes of course that's the whole point i mean imagine being uh you know treated like a state in the united states and being taxed and being grouped in but not having any representation in the senator 
uh, you know, Congress. I don't, I don't know if there's anything I can think of Puerto Rico or if there's anything I can think <laughs> of like that. But it, yeah. I mean, it must be really frustrating, and it, you know, just to be part of something and not be represented in that way, and not have all the assurances in, in that version of it. And not only that, but you kind of want to do your own thing, anyways. I don't think that um, a lot of the colonists wanted to be part of Britain in that way. Part of the reason why they were there is to be their own thing. And sure, like you said before. A lot of people wanted to still be British. They felt they were British. Most colonists were from Britain. They had accents. This is before all the other folks came in there. It was mostly just our folks, British people, some French people, and uh, a hell of a lot of Native Americans, mm -hmm. and then some artisans here and there. But a lot of the colonists felt like they were still part of Britain, and they they didn't they didn't like this tomfoolery going on in the harbor. But a lot of them did. Yeah. And that set shit off. Wow, so got it. Britain said, enough of you, Boston. You're a redheaded stepchild. India's shutting the fuck up. Why can't you be like India? <laughs> you know? So then they send uh, two army regiments uh, into Boston, and they start basically promoting martial law in the city of Boston. And they cut off all trade from Massachusetts to the other colonies, and they start to uh, barricade Boston Harbor from trade. And they say, anything comes in and out, it comes through Britain, and uh, you and your friends over there in New York and Pennsylvania, we don't want to hear any more of that. We got your man Ben Franklin here, who is the shining example of America. And us British, we love him. But he won't denounce you guys, and we're actually going to put him on trial for conspiracy pretty soon. Because we don't like this bullshit. It just gets to be sideways. And um, it's, it's bad news for uh, anyone living in Boston at the time. You have to pay for it when you write the check. You give the biggest global power a middle finger in the face, you have to suffer the consequences, and unfortunately the people of Boston had to from there on out. So, never mind having a British soldier live in your house, now they're taking over your town and you're seeing the Redcoats, as it were, marching through your streets, and you can't even get in and out of Boston Harbor without their say-so. You think the TSA's bad? I bet they give you a full people. cavity search in and out of the harbor. Yeah. After the tea party, they were like, no more of that shit. Yeah, but their voices were heard, and it led to uh, the independence of this fine country living. It was three years later, in 1776. Sure did. Complete independence from Britain. Yeah. Or mostly complete. Well, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, that, that led to... It actually, it's one of those things where it helps you more if people are on your side, the more like they whip you. Because after that happened, the people, oh, the yeah. Massachusetts Commonwealth and Boston were like, now we're under the, under the boot heel of Britain because now they're trying to crack down on this rebellion that's starting over here. But now all the other colonies are starting to be like, huh, wait a minute, that could be us. Instead of always looking out for themselves, which it was at the time, we pictured as always the United States of America, and then they're all this, that, and the other thing. At the time, it was just the colonies. They thought that Massachusetts was as different as Canada to them. It was just a different colony. We're all part of the British crown, but it's not like thinking about today where New Hampshire and Georgia are just as, much as part of America as anyone else. But at the time, the Georgia colony was a separate thing. Virginia and all of those, it's all different. But this was the first inklings of... This could happen to all of us, and a lot of smart people started to say, we need to work together now because we're seeing the way that the, you know, the stone's going to roll here, and if we don't work together, they can pick us all apart like Massachusetts, and I think that's one of the big portions of what starts setting this thing off, and rather than having 
small militias here and there in each individual colony to defend against this, that, and the other, they start to say, we got to try to really bind together here because we either have to let Britain rule us over in perpetuity or we can take this thing and really just shove it in their face. Even though it's bad odds, I like them odds kind of deal. Yeah. So then they start to work together. He told a little story that sounded well rehearsed. Four days on the run and that he's dying of thirst. The brew was in my hand and he was on my tip. I'm going to round this bad boy out with uh, Paul Revere's ride. You ever heard of it? I have heard of it. It's a great poem. Mm-hmm. It's a great Beastie Boys song. Paul Revere. And it's a pretty decent story about Paul Revere. Let's... <laughs> from the Dylan Joe Basin podcast, let's let Joe rip a poem for the first time. I don't have the poem. In 31... <laughs> okay. One if by land, two if by sea. You know, all the things you know about Paul Revere, that's just that poem. <laughs> None of it's history. It's Some of it's true, but all the things you know about Paul Revere is from one poem. It's all the same poem. Whatever it's going to be, it's Joe's... Joe's got the mic right now. And we're actually, gonna, the we're great... We're going to let Joe do his thing with Paul Revere. My, my dress up in his, We didn't mention yet, in his robe. <laughs> so, Joe, what do you got? Strangely enough, the guy who is the great-grandfather of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who wrote the poem of Paul Revere, he served in the same uh, military regiment as Paul Revere. So it just worked out that way. Wait, wait, wait. How strange is that? His great-grandfather? Yeah. Okay, same regiment. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Some people, today's day, like a B-52, mm-hmm. I mean the 50s. Yeah. Like they're, on, depending on how, how many... And no, it might have just been his grandfather, not great-grandfather. Okay, either way, I think it's, it's fine. You can do that. It's like the, the, the B-52, B-52, you know, Strat Fortress line of things. Like mm-hmm. you can be flying the same airplane at 9 to 20, whatever, 25 years old. That, like, your great-grandfather flew before Vietnam and Korea. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, same thing. But, I mean, this he, is, like, he sort wrote, of a similar thing. But he wrote the poem about American history. He didn't write the poem, like, I gotta write the poem right now. Like, he wrote it years later about Paul Revere, but it just so happens his grandfather served in the military with Paul Revere. Crazy. But okay. people mostly only know the poem yeah. more than they know Paul Revere. Also, Paul Revere, just a side fact, because we are... We're talking to... Paul Revere. We're talking Paul Revere right now. I think it's a main fact. Go ahead. Paul Revere's uh, son started... Polly Paul... D. Revere. Well, because Paul Revere was into was a metalsmith. That was kind of his thing. Yeah, silversmith. Silversmith. Yeah. Yeah, he was into metals and silver and this type of stuff. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get... Uh, later down the podcast, uh, we're going to have... You and I are going to have to talk about music. For sure. There's just no way. Me and Joe like metal music. Um, we're big metal people. And uh, but Silversmith. Anyways, this is about actual metal, like the... Like no, no, we know, metal. we know. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Paul Revere's son started a company called Revereware, and he made pots and pans, and I have a few of them. Of his son's uh, yes. company? Started That's in nuts. the, like, uh, the early 1900s. Wow. Uh, it was called Revereware. 
and it was mostly copper bottom pots and pans and fully copper tea kettles. <laughs> that, that I'm so- not fucking around, <laughs> dude. That sounds like an amazing like Dr. Seuss poetry thing. Copper bottom pots and pans and fully copper tea kettles. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> exactly. it sound so beautiful? Yeah, it does. It really That's does. That's awesome. I didn't I've know. I've got that. a few of them, and they're nice shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his actual Paul Revere's silver is kind of like a shorthand for like an American treasure. Like the silver that he's made much like the art we talked about in the past, is worth millions of dollars just for the very fact that he made them. I mean, they're yeah. well made, but like yeah. if you can have Paul Revere's silver, it's worth millions. Because, uh, yeah, he was, he was a silversmith. He made yeah. uh, gold and silver lockers yeah. and shit like that. If you have Savers and you find Revereware, get it. It's actually worth something. And it's actually, even more than that, it's worse than to you because it's nicer than the stuff you buy now. Yeah, and it it's just, just, just nice better. stuff. It's just badass. Better. And it says Revere. It's, it's actually his company. Mm-hmm. It's in the bloodline. It's good stuff. I mean, that's a legacy if I ever heard one. It really is. An American legacy. Yeah. You heard it here first in the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. Revere wear. Get some. It's out there. Put in a picture up. Um, So, yeah. So, Paul Revere, like we said, he's a silversmith. Um, He's the son of uh, one of the two kind of settlers, French settler. So, actually, his father's name wasn't Paul Revere. It was the French version of that, which I can't remember right now. Um, but he changed his name to Revere, and Paul Revere is actually Paul Revere Jr. Uh, and his father was like Pierre Revier or something like that. But they wanted to change their name to something a little bit more uh, English to yeah. be like a part of it. So Paul, you know, grew up in America. So much like any other Im- uh, sons and daughters of immigrants, mm-hmm. they feel like they're American. For him, like I said, he felt like he was a Bostonian, I'm, I'm someone from Massachusetts. It's, we don't have that in- identity of being American yet. You're just, I'm a Virginian, I'm a Bostonian, whatever I am. And he was like that, but he was one of these guys who saw the taxes coming down and saw his, his business getting crunched down by the British Empire, and he joined the Sons of Liberty and was working alongside people like Sam Adams. So even though he wasn't one of these high-minded rich guys, he did pretty well for himself, but he said, I'm going to join up with this shit. And he became part of the service that was the eyes and ears of the Sons of Liberty, which transferred over into the continental army's eyes and ears and kind of how they deal with everything and that brings us to the very night where after britain's coming into boston they decide that we're taking over here and they see that the colonies are working together too much they're starting to stockpile weapons stockpile powder they're having all these kind of crazy ideas and the british army decides they're trying to snuff this out as quick as possible and they start marching towards the, um, am I something on my face? Just staring at you, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's, uh, they, start, they start marching towards the <laughs> the black powder stores that are actually in Concord. No, there's definitely something on. I'm dead serious. I'm just looking at you. <laughs> really? You're talking. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you want me to look? I don't know. Look at the microphone. Look at the camera. <laughs> You're laughing too much. You're telling a story. All right, all right. Yeah, all right. It's all good. Jules getting to me. I don't know. All right, all right. Swear to God. No, no, I'm good. You promise? I promise. All right. Um, so anyways, so yeah, they start they start marching towards... <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm what? dead serious. No. No, I'm dead I'm, You go look at a mirror, man. There's a mirror right there. Look at right there. Like, oh, it's all good. All right, I gotta focus here to get this story out. All right, I'll look over here. No, no, no! I want you to look at me. I just, I, just, I want to make sure that you're the storyteller today. There's, there's your reason why you're laughing. I'm just, I'm not laughing. Okay, okay, cool. Feel good. Just feel good right now. Just enjoying my tea. Hell yeah! So, so yeah, so they start 
they decide they're going to march towards this black powder store in Concord and destroy it and take all the weapons. And they don't know that the Continental Army is a real thing and all these Minutemen militias are actually working together and they're trying to start a war. But they're going to. So these guys are marching towards Concord and part of this underground you know, surveillance unit, which is, it's easy to blend in because you fucking live there. So all these guys are kind of just sitting out on their porch, smoking their pipes, and they're seeing these lobster barracks going around. They go, oh, okay. And they act like they're sitting there, but they whisper to one guy, whisper to another guy. Next thing you know, they're telling everyone in the entire area because this thing could go off at any point, much like a black powder keg. And we think of Paul Revere as he gets on his horse and he rides all around Massachusetts and he tells everybody in the whole, you know, the whole state. The Obviously... The British are coming, mm-hmm. the British are coming, that whole thing. And there's some truth to that. He, he did. He was part of that, but obviously he wasn't the only one. You have to tell the whole network, and luckily he was part of the whole network. So he goes to the Old North Church, Old North Church in Boston. He lights one lantern. You know what that is. That's by land, baby. One if by land, two if by sea. He goes, by land. And much like lighting those old torches on the mountaintops, you light it up, and people can see it from far away. They start to distribute it the knowledge out. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he goes riding out. And he has to cross the river to Charlestown. He tells everyone in, in, in the Boston area, let them know. And also, he wouldn't say the British are coming because most people identify as British. So he said, those goddamn redcoats. Or whatever he said. He said, the regulars are marching. He, he said, they're coming out. And a part I didn't know about was he has to cross the Charles River to get to Charlestown. Um, it's, the whole place is locked down in Boston. You can't just ride through and be like, Never mind me, I'm just warning my comrades that you guys are going to march on us. We're going to make our army and kill all you. So he actually has to get on a small boat and they smuggle him across the Charles River under a British warship called the Somerset. So if they would have seen them, they could have stopped the whole warning the whole way out. Because you obviously can't just ring someone up and say, Hey, Concord, they're coming for our black powder stores, watch out. He goes across the river, no one sees him. He rides through Medford and he starts to rally the whole militia there, and he goes, they need you in Concord. Everyone has to get up. They call them Minutemen. Get all this mm-hmm. shit together. Start marching towards Concord, which is not a short walk, but we're going to need you come the morning, because when they get nope. there, yeah, they're going to fuck all us up. And he ends up making it all the way out to Concord, or to Lexington, almost to Concord. Lexington's where John Hancock lives. He starts to know about it. He goes, all right, everyone get ready for, the, for the, what's going on here. We have to defend ourselves. And... Almost to conquer, he decides he's maybe going to go back home, and he gets stopped by a British squadron. They pull him over, as much as you can pull a guy over on a horse, and they put him down on the ground, they put a flintlock pistol to his head, and they say, what do you know? What are you saying? And he goes, there's 500 men ready and conquered right now. When you show up there, it's going to be bad news for you. I'm telling you the truth. And they go, all right. At least he told us the truth. Insane. Just kill him, right? But they go, ah, okay. we're taking your horse. <laughs> That's all they do. They take his horse and they leave with it. But here's the thing. There's only about 50 men there. He wasn't only lying to save his ass. He was lying to make it a bigger deal than it was. Love that move. He was saying, Classic. he yeah. could have said, oh, I don't know nothing. But he, he actually tried to be like, you better watch out because we're ready. And they're all yeah, there. Fuck you up, yeah. And uh, so yeah, he loses his horse, and they don't. They should have definitely taken him in. They let him go. Mm-hmm. He was just wailing that in the night, and that ends up to be his biggest part of the story. Is that that night where he got you know the whole county ready for this, which ends up being the shot heard around the world, Lexington and Concord that next morning, and enough guys show up. 
on the side of the Continental Army to fight off the British. It's not really a battle one way or the other, but their their stores are still there. And that's the first time that people say, that Tea Party is really getting shit going here. We're going to have to fight a war over this. Not soon after that, they form the Continental Congress and we're on our way to the 4th of July. And there you have it. It's a crazy story. Yeah. And that's the reality of the story of yeah. what led to 1776. Yeah, which is what we're celebrating this, this very weekend here tomorrow. in the United States tomorrow. of America. Probably tomorrow. At this yeah, point. by now. We're not yeah. sure, but it's likely tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. As you can see, we're ready for bed. <laughs> that time of the night. Oh yeah. For six hours, then we hit the spot. The beat was a bumping, and the girlies was hot. The dude was staring like he knows who we are. We took the empty spot next to him at the bar. And- the artful and insidious cabinet of Britain have, in a lust for domination, adopted the absurd idea of subjugating America by throwing in upon us a flood of their manufacturers. The Sons of Liberty proclaims that no British goods will be sold. Not everybody adheres to that boycott. Samuel Adams and the Sons of Liberty are not above marking that place with manure on the door. They're not above breaking the windows of that place. Watching our fine young men in the battle, I'd say. <laughs> that I am. Christopher, welcome to you and that fine throwing arm of yours. Our Liberty boys are going to give the Tories hell. Yeah! A reckoning well deserved. Walking down the street, the mob sees Ebenezer Richardson, who was an informant to the customs house about uh, various merchants who were not paying their taxes. Get him! I will blow a lane through this mob. Just a warning shot across the bar. idea that you know we started out in this this country as like that this rabble rouser gang of trying to get people along and we've come to the point that we really more represent the british empire at that time than they did in fact america is the biggest global power in world history and it even makes britain at the time look very tiny in comparison but we were starting out as this, you know, fighting force against them and throwing tea in the ocean. Like, how does that level with your head? Or, like, is this 
does it seem like it's a triumphant thing? Like, it's a necessary thing? I mean, it always impresses me, but it's strange that now it seems the shoe's on the other foot, but we're still, you know, on the side of, we still feel like we're the underdog. It's like the Patriots still rooting, being like, we're the underdogs. Like, you won six Super Bowls. Like, at some yeah. point, you're going to be, you're, you are the evil empire kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But it's still something to be respected with that. And I don't know, how do you feel about that kind of thing? That's a really good, uh, a good question. Um, if I was back then, I just have a hard time figuring out what side I'd be on, unless I was really convinced by a bunch of really convincing, smart people. That's a, yeah. Um, what's the Sons of Liberty seem to be? If they were able to get their pitch out to the majority of people, I think they believe in it. They say, mm. all right, so we can just take. All right, cool. So now we're somewhere new, which is exciting and great, but also that like romantic factor of being somewhere new and cool and whatever it is, which is also the one of the worst times to be alive of all time is to be a colonist in America because it's just it's tough. But also, with, don't forget a lot of people who who were talking yeah. about this story. It's not somewhere new to them. They always knew this. They grew up and they lived in America their whole lives. I mean. We're a hundred years into America being a colony. Obviously, 1600s. it's, it's so, not yeah, as huge yeah, yeah. as sure. you know Virginia and Boston, but a lot of people like uh, Sam Adams, George Washington, and John Adams. They never, they didn't live in England and they moved over. They they were born in America and they grew up there. Okay, that's a good point. So even though they, a lot of them worked for Britain and they were, yeah. served in the British Army, like George Washington fought in the war, the French and Indian War for Britain. Mm-hmm. But he was a Virginian. He thought he thought as himself as a Virginian man. Yeah. Okay. That's and a, a virgin. Point. Just kidding. <laughs> definitely got a lot of puss. Yeah. Definitely, he was good. Um, he was six foot two in that time, which means you're the tallest man anyone's ever seen. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Now that's pretty tall, but in 1776, like very. You're tall the back tallest then. person anyone's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, so based off of everything we we know, um, it was still it was still a, a kind of a rough time to be alive as like a human. Oh, yeah. Just because there's just so... It's actually the closest time to what we're living in today yeah. that I think that... So we had different, like, points throughout history of, like, you know, the Vietnam War. We had other, you know, World War II. World War II, it doesn't even count because it was just... Everyone was on Team America. <laughs> That's <laughs> fact. Team America. Team America was, no one was War against I, World War II... Forget about the part then, that we didn't want to join for the first, because we were like... And then before that was the Civil War, and then before that was... It's hard to remember a time when other, America was yeah. like, we're only worried about ourselves. Because now yeah. we're worried about everyone sneezing in Korea. We're not, yeah. but, but at the time, before World War II, we were like, we're not doing the shit. It's not yeah, our problem. We're going to take a time away from that, because we, we, dealt, we dealt with it Civil War. It took Pearl Harbor with... for us to be like, alright, we're doing it. Alright, we're getting into this. But now yeah. America, anytime someone has to tie their shoes, we're like, what are you doing? Like mm-hmm. Now we're a part of everything. everything. But there was a time, not that long ago, that we weren't part of anything. And this time, we yeah, weren't we're part people, of People wanted to prosper and wanted to... We're kind of at a point where, like, even today's day, where... Um, the average wage for Americans hasn't increased in 30 years, but the price of living has gone up uh, sure. way more than tenfold. So we're all getting fucked. So sure. right now we're at the cusp of that type of stuff and we're seeing that with riots and that type of thing. So like yeah. this Boston Tea Party situation is uh, took, you know, hundreds of years, um, you know, to get to a point where we are now where the, we're at the cusp of a similar type of event or, if, or actually it's not as binary. Uh, events, which obviously events led to that, but like we're at a point in time where this is like more understandable than ever. Yeah. Back 10, 15, 20 years ago when I first learned this, I didn't give a shit. It was so boring. And yeah. now it's like, it's kind of all makes sense. Yeah. People didn't have a lot. It was getting tough to live. 
and they were being suppressed um, and oppressed by mm-hmm. um, a power grid in themselves, but they realized that they could all kind of band together and make a difference. And um, that's kind of how I feel about it. They did the right thing, and a few good guys yeah. who are really strong men decided they're going to change this shit because they have enough of this crap. I think that it took an insane amount of foresight, too, because it's so... It's easier to want to rise up and change things when you're being, you know, day-to-day, your life is being mm-hmm. shittier and shittier. But the amount of foresight they need to be like, we have to band together and we have to change things now before it yeah. gets worse because, I mean... The way that the British Empire treated a lot of their other colonies was so much worse than America, but America was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going for that shit. No way. Pretty early on. Yeah. You know, enough to have people uh, strong enough and rich enough and you know band together enough, smart enough to actually oppose them. It, it took another hundred years, um, hundred plus years for India to get under the boot heel. Never mind all the African nations they were, you know had their boots on. I mean, they really had a global chunk taken out of the world. And mm-hmm. uh, fortunately for the U- United States, soon to be, they were one of the first ones to kind of fight back against that and start the wave um, against that whole thing. And yeah. luckily, because of the way that they had so much foresight, a lot of the th- ideas they came up with in 1776 still work now. I mean, not all of them. We have to change things. You have to ebb and flow. And part of the reason why you can't ebb and flow is because they put that in too. They go, things are going to change. We know that. hundred years from now, you can't do every single word the same, but they wrote that in too. And I, I like, I think that's the ultimate thing. The Boston Tea Party, Lexington and Concord, it didn't change the whole world. And it didn't even change America that much at the time. But the ideas and the ideals put in place there set in motion the way that the country was going to be formed and change, and ultimately the way that the world is going to change in the next 200 years. And I think there's no denying that. If anything, the ideas themselves were a huge part of that. Yeah. And if they were snuffed out at that time, alternate history, yep. who who knows what the world would look like right now. If like 1.0 would be wildly different yeah if this didn't happen if none of this should happen yeah. who knows what would have gone down after that you know yeah yeah exactly and it was just a it was an empowerment it was, it was a point in time where people like us were able to actually have some power and go home to their spouse or to whatever it is and say they, they're like where have you been all night you're so, you dressed up like a native american they say what the hell's going on? you're like oh just made some salt water tea and then that's Drink all you gotta say. Boys. And then there's <laughs> barely any repercussions, and you change the course of history forever based off of a small action. Right. That's true. While at that time, um, we didn't mention this, but the British Navy was there in that harbor with genuine warships, and they're like, "All right, yeah. so we're doing this," and they could get wind of this, and then just blow this shit to like literal smithereens with cannonballs. <laughs> they said we're gonna do it anyway we think they're probably not gonna do it so let's give it a shot um, it was only two months after paul revere's ride the battle of bunker hill happens and that's a war beginning in boston harbor before the war ever happens it's before the declaration of independence uh, the british charge at uh breachers hill not bunker hill they named it after the wrong hill either way they have a full-fledged wartime action where the colonists actually have to give up the hill, and the British are like, no, we still control Boston, but the British lose 40% of their troops in that action. And instead of it being 
a stomping down on the fires of revolution and actually inspires the colonists to say, holy shit, we just fought the British Empire in Boston and they've got fucked up. Imagine what we can do if we actually form an army and they try to come over here with this shit. What can happen? Maybe the 13 colonies can be a little bit more than, you know, the whipping boy of Britain. Yeah. And that's how it went down. So it went down. For sure. Uh, so, I guess that was pretty much final thoughts. I think so, that I we both so. are, I yeah. mean, if, it were, if we were back in that time, I can't say what influences I'd have, um, just given that I just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. But I freaking hope that I'd be on the... Yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's nice to think that you'd be part of that, that side of I history, so. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd want to be that, because it was... And it's also that, it's just... It's like, a lot to risk, though. I mean, there's... There's even, not a there's, lot you can just say that. Like, people died. only alters the course of history, and that is one very, very genuinely small event with a few people mm-hmm. that seriously made an enormous difference. Yeah. Again, with... Not only with did it shrug off the British with, Empire, like, but... With, you know, making a sound... Um, but also, like you said, with John Quincy Adams making a difference with, uh, you know, starting John off, Adams, but sorry, yeah. Are, are they different? Yeah. His, his son is John Quincy, Quincy. Adams. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, so John Adams, um, you know, they both became president though until George Bush, no one father and son became president until those two people. Yeah. Okay. So one through five, there was a father and son oh, and sure. then not until I think it's 40 whatever. Wow. Okay. It's nuts. So, yeah. So that's that's definitely my final thoughts. Is that this yeah. is this is a pivotal point in time. Independence Day is is what it is, but this is this is just one piece of the pie that led up to that. That is insanely important. Yeah. And it's nice to know, and it's all right there when you walk through Boston, having your drinks and your Italian food and your whatever it is. Yeah, the, a um, lot of the shit's still there. The history yeah. is still there. I mean, you can still go to the old North Church. Yep. Why is from that old North Church? Old North, old Church. North Church. Old North Church. Where he put that lantern up, you can still see the location mm-hmm. of the the Green Dragon this Tavern. I happened. mean, it's all there. It's still it's there. there. It's crazy. The Meeting House, all that shit. Yep. You can go to Lexington and Concord. They have it, you know, all blocked off. You can see where the, the battle happened. I mean, some wild ass shit. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And uh, ultimately, like we said, we there's. America with all its warts and bumps. This is the time of year that we kind of look to the glass half full version of it. Yep. And I'm glad that it, it turned out the way it did because of these kind of cats. Because now we can hang out and and in an undisclosed location and <laughs> and podcast about it. Yeah. It's nice. That's I it. appreciate it's it. Nice. I really do. So that's it. So we hope you guys all have a good July Fourth uh, in a few days. Yeah. And um, we'll see you guys in a few days. For episode yeah. 32. This is 31, but 32 is going to be something else. From the Dylan Joe Basement Podcast, coming live from an undisclosed location. We'll see you guys then. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Alright, so we are relying on alcohol. To, to just have a good time. This is something of value. I don't know what right the fuck it. you're talking about. We're drinking tea, so we don't need to know that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Tea. So, um, I'm not relying on it. You're <laughs> relying on, on this. So, when push comes to shove, you have to get yours on your own. So even though he was part of a wealthy family, the Adamses, 
he was a vitriolic guy. Yeah, was exactly. like. Too dry. Imagine being, uh, you know, treated like a state in the United States and being taxed and being grouped in, but not having any representation in the senator, uh, you know, Congress. I don't, I don't know if there's anything I can think of Puerto Rico or if there's anything I can think of like that. But it, I... best thing want to do is fuck dogs and we're back to shoot. <laughs> there's nothing I can do.